listening to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch, episode 461. My name is Dave. I'm joined, as always, by my co-host, Wayne, as we continue our look at season two of the HBO Max series, Be Foreigners. We survived the tornado today. Oh, wait. <laughs> yeah. It was just pretty much wind. Right. <laughs> so you guys got out of school early. Uh, yeah. Was there anything, rain or anything your way? So, full disclosure... I came home, ate some lunch, and then took a nap. And I think I slept through any rain that we got. Um, so, I, you know, when I was driving home, there was some drizzle. I probably slept for about an hour. I woke up. It was shining out. The sun was shining. Yeah. It obviously rained, but I didn't hear anything. Or So, you know, I, I, don't, I don't think it was really uh, – whatever it was, it certainly was not – uh, a tornado or anything like that. So, yeah. Now your daughters didn't get out early, did? No, they? I don't think anyone else did at all. Um, yeah, a lot of other places right. canceled after school activities, but uh, yeah. yeah, kids had to stay in school the whole day. Yep. So you got your lacrosse game rescheduled till tomorrow. So yes. we're actually recording on Monday night, right? So, which is good for you. All right, an extra day to to engineer. Yeah, absolutely. So, uh, and speaking of engineering, if you guys want to contact us with some episode feedback, questions, whatever, sci-fi TV rewatch at gmail.com. You can also record your own audio clip the way Fred does each week. If you'd like to do that, check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. So, uh, we got some big news. You want to drop the first uh, tidbit? Uh, Doctor Who news? Yeah. Okay, yeah. So, the first one is that uh, Catherine Tate and David Tennant will be appearing in the 60th anniversary, as has been, well, certainly David Tennant, it's been rumored for a a long time now, uh, with even some people suggesting he was going to take the role back over. But yeah, I actually put a comment in the Facebook group that doesn't happen often, but just mentioning how I like Catherine Tate. I think Donna Noble is my favorite of the companions since the show has restarted and so I'm really excited to bring her back. Yeah. Uh, David Tennant, a.k.a. the 10th Doctor. And and in real life, I think what really adds to their chemistry is that they're best friends in real life and, and that, you know, the two couples socialize all the time. So that's cool. There are some pretty cool things related to uh, Red Nose Day on YouTube featuring the two of them that you can check out if you haven't already. But it's my understanding the BBC released this information because they've started filming and they know things are going to leak out to the public. And I guess they've, they've purposefully leaked some photos from the filming. I haven't actually seen them yet, but I guess I'll get it. I I don't know if I want to see them or not. You know what I mean? Right. Right. I don't. Yeah. But that's not all. Today they dropped the news that Yasmin Finney is going to join the cast as Rose. And you might know Finney as the transgender actress currently starring in the Netflix series Heartstopper. And I think for all of us Doctor Who fans, the, the notion that she's going to play Rose, you know, gets our our attention because there's so many of us that are are huge rose tyler fans and how they're going to work all this out is you know still to be determined rtd is not 
very forthcoming. And I, I love that he's just teasing it. So, you know, we'll see how it all works out. I mean, if you follow the show, you, you know, Rose Tyler's fate in an alternate universe with uh, an alternate version of the doctor. So, you know, without going down that path, uh, but I mean, they basically made it. News. So if you are even a tiny doctor who fan, you are right now, pretty super jazzed for the 60th anniversary episode yeah and if you're like wayne you think you're going to see some new episodes in four to six months or so if you're like me you're figuring in 2023 at the earliest but hey he's the optimist and always look at the bright side of life yes exactly so uh all right what are you watching this week okay so a couple things uh i think i'm just talking about two one good one bad so we'll get We'll start with the good, actually. And that was, um, I watched the movie with my daughter, Death on the Nile. Uh, Death on the Nile is not my daughter's name. We watched the movie Death on the Nile. I watched it with my daughter. And uh, we both really liked it. It was it was really, really good. Uh, Kenneth Branagh played Hercule Poirot, the famous detective of the Agatha Christie novels. I have, full disclosure, never read an Agatha Christie novel ever. And I feel like I should. But I haven't. Um, but this movie was great. The cast was great. Part of the reason I bring it up is because as per your suggestion and as per the new Doctor Who being in it, I watched the first episode of Sex Education last night and was surprised to see that Emma Mackey is in Sex Education. Uh, I can't remember her character's name. She's the the girl yeah. who like has like the fishnet stockings and everything. Um, right, right. She is one of the main characters in Death on the Nile, so I thought that was... Oh, okay. Yeah, so there's a little and, connection there. Oh, yeah, she's great, and and that's my first introduction to her, uh, you know, in, in, in sex education. She's in some Jane Austen-type period piece, but I haven't seen that yet, so uh, I'm not sure if it's Jane Austen, but, you know, that, that genre. Yeah. So... So yeah, but right, uh, cool. yeah, it's really good. I highly, highly suggest it. Really fabulous movie. Um, you know, classic. You know, kind of who done it? Murder mystery. Agatha Christie. You know, like the bodies start piling up, and then you know, Poirot finds the killer and everything. Um, so I mean, it's, you know, it's in that way, it's predictable because we know like the structure of the story. But obviously, if you're like me and have not read the book, then you don't know who the actual killer is till the end, and so. It was kind of, it was really cool. Liked it. Fabulous acting, great, great cast, everything. Um, so that's the good. The not so good was the final season of Ozark, which I finally, painfully, and happily is now out of my life. Uh, which I feel bad. I shouldn't trash the show too much, but it, I, I did really like it the, when I first watched like the first two seasons, I guess. But this season, to me, was just so. I like I, the, the word. I the, what I thought was like soap opery, where people are just acting like, like the acting is just even though like you got Laura Linney and Jason Bateman at least are, are not hacks, right? They're they're really good actors, but and, and actually Richard Thomas was a John Boy. I haven't seen John Boy in the show in a while, so it's nice to see him oh, okay. there. Um, but, I mean, he was probably the one that's even the, the worst. Like, his character is so over the top 
with the acting, it was just like, uh, you know, and, and people would just say ridiculous things all the time, and then ridiculous things would happen, which I know it's kind of like that's the modus operandi of this show, but it seems like it just got way out of control. Like, they just had kind of like, all right, here's where we meant to have the story end like a year and a half ago, but they kept getting renewing us, and so we kept having to come up with crazy things to happen that like really don't make any sense and everything so so if you haven't started watching ozark i don't know if i can really suggest it um but i don't know it's a shame because it's it started so so great yeah and you know i haven't read any reviews i might be alone in this you know i might be like a voice well i mean season one right right no but i'm just saying like i'm i might my assessment of season four might be completely wrong. Like, well, not oh, wrong because it's just a personal feeling, right? But, you know, I, I don't know if, if other people agree with me as far as the last season is. Uh, I haven't looked up any reviews, but yeah, I just, you know, I, I just found myself just, you know, again, like we talk about how when the show makes you realize that you're watching a show, right? That that disbelief is broken. It's tough to get that back. And like my disbelief was just broken. Right, and so, or my, I should say, my suspension of disbelief. Uh, I I could no longer suspend my disbelief. My disbelief was in full effect. Almost everything that happened, I was just like, "Really? Come on!" You know, like so. That is, you know, when once the show kind of loses that, and you can't get you to see and to to inhabit the world that the characters inhabit. You know, it's just it's not good. It's not a good thing. So. Well, I probably won't get to it. As I've said a couple times when you've talked about it, we started watching, watched the first three or four episodes. My wife didn't care for it, and I just never got back to it. So uh, anyway, all right. Well, listen, I finished season two of Banshee on HBO Max, which was a recommendation of Fred's, and I finished it last night. Uh, My wife was already asleep. It was past my bedtime, but I had to... start watching season three to at least see what kind of a time jump they made Uh and look if you're into good acting excessive violence graphic sex and nudity this is the show for you so i i love it i i just really you know on the one hand i i kind of think about breaking bad and and you know the storyline the acting the 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 graphic violence i mean there's there's no graphic sex or nudity in breaking bad but it i don't know it, it kind of has that feel to it to a certain extent so uh i i can't say enough about it now my i don't want to say bad less than good if i was giving this show an imdb rating i'd probably go 6.5 or so which you know is low but it's not you don't feel like necessarily somebody owes you several hours of your time back. And that is welcome to Eden, the Spanish language, Netflix, sci-fi mystery series. And I mentioned, I was watching it either last week or the week before. And and it's really a more social experiment than sci-fi, except then we get to the finale and they throw some sci-fi elements into it. There's a huge cliffhanger so I don't know how it did on Netflix. They rarely let us know. So if there's no season two, 
you know, like like you with Ozark, I'd hesitate recommending it with this big of a cliffhanger, but it was an interesting show and they're short episodes are like 35, 38 minutes. And there's only, I think eight of them. So, uh, you know, it was enjoyable. I'm, I'm not disappointed that I spent the time with it, but uh, yeah, you're not really I'm selling gonna, it, Dave. Yeah. Well, yeah. And, and <laughs> you know, it's, it's, but it's very popular on Netflix. Right, so right. a lot of people are watching it. Um, the other show that we started, I don't know if you, uh, you don't generally go for the period pieces, but it's, it's Jane Austen's last novel, Sanditon, which originally aired on PBS. And yeah, it looks interesting. Apparently it's, it's supposed to be pretty racy. I I don't know if you have PBS as part of your additional package. I mean, not, not PBS channel, but like if you want to get to the you know, to their streaming stuff, you got to cough up five bucks a month. And dude, you know, it's like a lot of things. I want to be able to easily cancel if and when I want to. Right. I don't want to have to call anybody. I don't want to have to talk to anybody. I just want to go to a page, hit cancel and be done with it. Nope. So I, I'm paying a dollar more to get it through Amazon Prime. And I don't care because Amazon Prime makes it easy to cancel it. So... Anyway, Sanditon, it's pretty cool. We're about four episodes in. And, uh, uh, you know, if you're into that, you know, Jane Austen era stuff, uh, it's cool. So, so are you right, getting anyway. PBS through Amazon Prime? Yes. Okay. You know, like you can get like HBO right, Max right, right. Or, yeah, yeah, you know, I know. through Amazon It's Prime, just a dollar a month? Uh, no, a dollar extra. It's, I'm paying six uh, instead of five. Gotcha. Gotcha. So, All right. And there's a bunch of... British detective shows that that we'll end up watching after we're finished with Sanditon. So yeah, you guys are into all that stuff. So yeah, that's that's yeah, like a yeah, good yeah. deal for you, man. Yeah. So all right, well, let's get to uh, the main show that we're going to talk about, which is Befarners episode two of season two, written by Isla Scudvin and Bjornstad, Harold Mail Jr., directed by Jens Lean. Originally aired December 5th, 2021 in Europe, and they they aired episodes one and two together in Europe. In the U.S., they did them one a week, and this was December 30th, 2021. So we get some big reveals. This was a good episode. Um, you know, Fred's got some things that he brings up in his commentary that we'll talk about. The Volva remembers Alphadar yes. being brought ashore by the men, and, and, and certainly that's one of the big reveals and, you know, that, that question we have about, well, did she have a vision? And I guess the thing I like about Alphadar's, you know, exchanges with the Volva is that the Volva's not lying to her. She says, nah, wasn't a vision. It was a memory. Although, right. to be fair, once she, you know, does what she needs to do <clears throat> to uh, see if there's a vision or not. Yeah. Um, which was uh, a great line, maybe the best line of the series so far. So is this witchcraft or are you just a horny lesbo? Yeah. So she says she didn't see anything. And Alphadar even questions her. I saw your eyes roll back in your head. So I, I think we do think maybe the Volva's lying to her about that, that, that maybe she did see something. I, I mean, unless we or, see the Volva as a total charlatan, which I don't think we're supposed to see her that way. Right. But as of now, like we haven't really seen any actual 
like last week we thought, oh, well, she's you know does have supernatural abilities that she saw that. We find out no, it was just a memory of hers. So you know, maybe she just right, really wanted is- to go down Alphader, and this was the way she thought would best could accomplish that. Right, and Fred brings that up in his feedback, uh, uh, you know, and if we're to take the series Vikings and The Last Kingdom as reasonably historically accurate, it does seem as if the Vikings were... I don't know if I'd put either of those shows with the term reasonably historically accurate, but, you know. What, what believably would Not his, at all. i would say believably historically accurate. Uh, okay so what i was getting at is you know the, it does seem as if the vikings as they're portrayed in those two series as being relatively open sexually to a, a lot of different um, possibilities and and you know we'll just leave it at that so that uh you know i don't think the exchange between alfeder and the and the volvo was you know necessarily anything out of the ordinary for people from their era yeah that, that's actually kind of a good question because i always kind of like wonder was you know because a lot of times especially in movies and everything like pagan cultures are presented as being very liberal sexually and everything and like the christians came around and pissed on everyone's parade like was that really the case or what you know or was either a people continued to you know uh, do it after christianity came about or were you know the the those kind of conservative um, mores of, of Christianity where they just around all the time, you know, like it's um, right. So that, that's always, that's, that's kind of something I've, I've always wondered about a little bit. Right. Now we don't have a formal spoiler zone for be foreigners. You and I have both seen the entire uh, season two. So I think it would be, maybe fair to just tell everybody that hasn't seen the entire series, you know, the vulva is going to be important. I mean, not that she's not already, but, but when we learned that, you know, she was a child approximately the same age as Alfeder when Alfeder is, is taken aboard the vessel and then brought to the uh, Viking village to be raised as a Viking at, at that point, um, you know, there, there is a relationship that will become even more important than what we see now. So is that fair to just leave it at that? Yeah, I think that's, that's solid. You know, certainly by the end of this, we realize that she's, you know, going to be pretty important. Well, there's a huge reveal that we'll get into yeah. uh, in episode six for sure. <laughs> but uh, yeah, that's a bit of ways. So is Ben Joseph, AKA Rubenstein behind the tunnel murder? Is he Jack the Ripper? So at this point, I mean, we don't know what the hell he's doing. I mean, that scene when he goes into the bar and it's a bunch of Nazi skinheads, you know, I guess he's been in the 21st century long enough to, you know, understand what's going on there because obviously, you know, there weren't skinheads in the 19th century. I mean, certainly there were bigoted people in the 19th, but, but, uh, he knows what he's getting into. Why he does it, <laughs> I don't know. Well, um, if you were Jewish and you saw a bunch of fucking uh, a bunch of Nazis, you might believe. You know, I might take a beating on this, but I'm gonna I'm gonna punch out one of these you know one of these guys, 
Yeah. Yeah. And he does get a good headbutt in yeah. there at the beginning. So, you know, like, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to get my shots in. I might take a beating for it, but I'm going to. I'm gonna get my shots. I, I I don't blame him for that. As you know, but the uh, you know I, I think pretty solidly we could say though that he is chasing Jack the Ripper. Is not actually Jack the Ripper. You know he's talking to his right. rabbi and he says he feels that God has given this vocation to him to to chase Jack. And we see him leaving his family and for some reason he tells them he has to go away just for a little while. Um, so does that mean he has an exit strategy? Does he have a way to get back? You know, right. Um, and to this point, the the only two people we know that have gone both ways are Alfador and uh, oh god, I can't think of her name. Maddie, um, Maddie right? Yes, that's funny how you put it that so, way in this particular episode. Yeah, uh, gone I, I realized. <laughs> yeah, I realized that after I said it. Um, so you know whether or not he has that ability, we don't know yet. But we we certainly know he's comfortable in both eras. And as you said, it, it does appear as if he's after Jack the Ripper. The rabbi, you know, questions him about his you know feeling that it, it, he's on a mission from God, but. Um, yeah, I think that is pretty clear. What's not clear is for whom does the IT guy, Alex, really work? Yeah. Um, I mean, we get the idea he's been embedded in you know this, this police department for quite a while. Every, everybody seems to know him. It's not like he's the new guy or anything. Right. Well, he, does, he but, sends a message to the Brits. Yeah. You know? so, so what's up with that? How long has he? Right. How long has he been working? And not only does he send the message, he deletes the files. Right. Now, we don't really know the importance of the files, but they must be important. Yeah. <laughs> because like we said, he, he uh, deletes them. And then the other big reveal, which I don't know that any of us really saw this coming, is that Ingrid's pregnant. Well, right, and because we didn't really see her like – you know, doing it with anyone. Well, well, that's true, but I guess also it's the 21st century. I mean, it's 2021. As her mother immediately says, it's like, haven't you ever heard of contraception? Yeah, yeah which and, is a fairly good point. Not what she needs to hear at that moment, but right. point well taken. Yeah. I mean, to you know, to, to go down the reality path, um, you know, certainly when I was growing up, and I'm a little bit older than you, but I think even when you were growing up, you know, it wasn't like you could pop into the local grocery store or local Walgreens and, you know, pick up contraception. Yeah. So The first time you know, I did, the, the girl behind the, the uh, counter just started laughing at me. Ah, uh, nice. <laughs> Good for her. So mortified. Um, <laughs> right. And then uh, Gregor's reaction you know, it is disappointing, not unexpected, an unfortunate piece of news, no doubt about that. Yeah. But then when he calls it harlot behavior, that's... That's a bit much, yeah. Yeah, and I think, it. you know, it's... With the with the subtitles, it's hard sometimes to know who's saying what, where we don't necessarily see their, their faces, but it does appear that it's his wife ingrid's mother that's like whoa no 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 stop that well i like how she deals with she's like why don't you go smoke a pipe yeah exactly right 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 
right? Because this is too modern for my taste. Yeah. <laughs> so anyway, so we get a lot of reveals. Um, the, the one storyline where Olaf is still pursuing the quest to obtain his name, and we don't really know other than individual pride, which is fine, why it's so important for him to regain his name. You know, clearly his followers don't care that he doesn't officially have his name, but yeah, I don't know necessarily why that's so. I mean, does he think that once he establishes that that's his name, he's going to take control of Norway? Um, maybe. Yeah. Um, yeah. Well, who knows? I mean, he, it seems like you're right. He seems like he's got some kind of plan, you know, but, and a big part of it then, you know, involving his name. And we see that he's got a social media presence uh, in the beginning, yeah. right? It's like these uh, these guys who found Magnus's or grabbed Magnus's uh, bones for him found him on, on social media and stuff. So, Yeah, and that's kind of a cool scene because he and his followers are at some sort of a diner or uh yeah i don't know little mini mart like like with a gas station and a little place you can grab some food when when these guys drive up and and you know we we certainly learn it's magnus's skull later but that's what we presume at this point but the thing about it is the tomb was actually robbed so that these guys uh, i'm guessing had to literally you know cut through stone or or marble or or something and and you know excavated these these bones you know whether they took more than the skull we don't know but but obviously that's how he's going to get his dna tested now you know later you know when we see him plant it or his his you know his guys plant it on uh, tommy so is he pissed off at Tommy? Is he trying to, you know, take Tommy down? I, I don't think it's that. I think it's more that he knows once the police have that skull, he can then say, Hey, hey you got the skull. Let's while it's, while it's not buried, do some DNA testing. Exactly. Because, right. If he right. came forward with it, it would be like, come on. Like, where'd you get that from? Right. But, right. um, they, because his quote unquote enemy is in possession of this, then it's legit. And certainly, like you said, I mean, the probably doesn't even have to ask for the DNA testing. The, the police will probably do DNA testing anyway, just to make sure that these are the bones that were stolen from King Magnus's gra- grave. Right. Then, yeah. Right. And I mean, he does kill two birds with one so- exactly. uh, stone, so to speak, because Tor Hund. While we think historically he's the one that killed Olaf, uh, obviously he he didn't, but apparently they were on opposing sides. So, you know, there is that. But I think the main thing is the DNA testing because he knows they're not going to dig up the bones just to test this guy who claims to be King Olaf. So, right. yeah, yeah. So the, that uh, uh, the driver's ed scene was hilarious. Yeah. <laughs> You know, the phone rings, he takes the call, Olaf Haraldson yields to no one. Yeah. <laughs> just, yeah, I mean, there are some great lines. Yeah, that's not movie. really good with uh, for driving. Like, <laughs> No, no, no. You, 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 you kind of feel for Tor Hund. 
he does remember who he was. We don't know how much he remembers, but we, we certainly saw last season that, that he does understand that he was a leader, that he had warriors that followed him, but he doesn't want any of that. As he says, I was trying to live a normal life. I don't need this shit, he tells right. Alphador after he's been arrested. And, and you look at him, and, and again, I've mentioned it's, it's so wild to watch this 19th century shield maiden driving an Audi. And, and the same with Tommy. It's like he's got the, the modern haircut now, the, the really stylish haircut which I don't think he had last time. And, and, you know, certainly a lot of them, you know, are retaining, you know, whatever hair they had in the, in the uh, Viking era. So, you know, I thought that was pretty, pretty cool. But then, and, and you kind of mentioned it at the beginning discussion at the, at the very end, I think it might even be the last scene when Olaf meets the Volva in secret at night and they clearly have some sort of a past relationship. I mean, we don't get the idea it's, it's romantic or sexual or anything like that, but there, there's something that these two are cooking up. Um, well, I mean, yeah, because he says, like, thank you. I believe the word is persistent, I think he said. Thank you for your persistent loyalty. So, yeah, this is, yes, she's, yes. You know, this is not a one-off thing. This is not a new thing. Um, she's been working for him for a while, and, and you know she says how once the, you know she that she was a slave girl, and once the they they found out that she had special abilities, they kicked her out, and so she was just basically living on the road for her whole life. So you know that obviously in there she could clear, easily have met up with Olaf and become his agent helper companion whatever yeah this personal seer so yeah we'll uh you know, hopefully find out um you know we also see some more about alfreder's sleep disorder in that early scene <laughs> might even be the opening scene where she misses the briefing but we see her leave her trailer and she's wearing only her underwear she's got her brief well, she's got a belt and, on she's got her she's bag got the belt she's on. got sunglasses Right. And I like the way they extended that scene because I, I think it was important to understand really how, I, I don't know uh, what the right word is, but you know, this is a serious condition that she's dealing with and, and she kind of just blows it off. I mean, she knows she has it, but she doesn't necessarily, I don't think, recognize you know how serious it is yes she goes to the volva for help but it does she really think the volva can help her i mean she is somebody from the viking era that has adjusted well to the 21st century so while she does have a link to the old ways she's got to understand the advances that we've made in modern medicine especially and and modern psychology as well right but, but this is i think i mean it goes even beyond i i mean like I, that's why i think going to the vulva maybe makes the most sense because like what is modern medicine going to tell her when she walks all the way to work in her underwear pulls out a sandwich in the middle of a meeting <laughs> yeah and she's sleepwalking the whole time you know like 
that's yeah, like, it seems goes beyond what anything I've ever even heard of with with you know sleepwalking. Yeah, um, and and I like the the fact that Lars watches out for her as much as he does and as soon as she grabs that sandwich he immediately knows what's going on speaks up you know, takes care of her and and you know ironically wanky has a spare set of clothes in her locker and you know alfader has got the jacket that's about four or five sizes too big but yeah she's got her belt and that <laughs> compensates and she you know she's called into the higher ups office but she's like no nope, no nope, everything's fine but before that, the, Lars' therapist, who I guess is a police therapist, approaches her in the parking garage you know, with concerns about the, the sleep disorder. And Alfeder says that, you know, I, I have met with a knowledgeable woman from the old faith. And when, you know, this modern psychologist seems to balk, Alfeder employs the cultural sensitivity card. Right. And the woman backs down yeah, immediately. Yeah. And, and, you know, we also see they have some sort of sensitivity training going on in one of the conference yeah. rooms at the uh, at the department. So uh, I, I just, yeah, again, thought that was brilliant of her to, uh, you know, take control of the situation and, you know, get on with her day, which is to solve this heinous crime that takes place in the Tunnel of Tears. So. Right. But the other thing that, that we didn't mention when we're talking about the vulva and, and Alfeder going to see her is when she says to Alfeder, let me find out what you are. That, that's, you know, that right. that kind of stops you in your tracks. Right. So, so we don't know exactly what that means. I mean, what she is, well, okay, what do you mean? She, yes, she's traveled both ways, but so has Maddie. So mm-hmm. whatever Alfeder is is Maddie like that? So, you know, we don't know, but that, that definitely should catch our attention for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. And, and well, you know, we, we know that there's stuff behind her story that, you know, goes beyond even what we know now, you know? And so we're still, that's part of like the interest in the show, right? We're just, what's what's her deal like you know what what's going on here and everything like that so yeah i mean will we ever find out about alfeder's parents in the 21st century yeah you know what what were they like who were they what what did they do or i mean what does she have to be from the 20 well i guess right after these time things started popping up right Right. Well, we don't necessarily know when they popped up. I mean, certainly they, you know, Alfeder went, well, let's see. I mean, if we say it's 2021 now, um, you know, she looked to be about, what, five, six years old, maybe, with the incident with the orange life vest. So, you know, that that was 20-some years previous. So, you know, maybe there just weren't as many of them that back then. Or maybe and, she's and some said, little kid walking around right now where she could go and meet herself. Well, and the thing is, we still don't know whether these are random events or whether they are actively controlled by somebody. Right. So anyway, um, you know, the main story, which I think is the least fascinating of this episode is, of course, Lars and the team pursuing Jack the Ripper 
and whether there's a, a real connection. And, and of course, the the higher up, uh, I forget the woman's name that's in charge. Uh, you know, uh, I looked at IMDb and, and I think they just call her the commissioner. Okay, and, and she's always just concerned that well, this is a PR disaster. Right, right. Well, you mean that's more important than getting yeah, the actual finding the killer. Killer, yeah. And apparently it is. And 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 you understand that they might be seen as being, you know, ridiculous for thinking that you know, this killer could be Jack the Ripper. But in in the society we know time travel is possible all you have to do is look around right so why is it ridiculous to think that jack the ripper could have traveled from 1888 london to 2021 oslo there's nothing ridiculous about that true yet that's their their fear that they're going to be seen that way so you know i don't know um we, we still don't know who I was going to say Bernstein. That's not his name. Uh, um, Joseph Ben Isaac. Or Ruben, Isaac Rubenstein. Isaac Ben Joseph. Right. Um, you know, what his deal is. Um, was he really treated for paranoid schizophrenia? Well, uh, you know, if he showed up, it was like, I have to find Jack the Ripper. They probably would say, all right, buddy. Here, why don't you go sit down for a little bit? Yeah. It immediately makes me think of 12 Monkeys. Yes. And of course, if you're going to say, you know, those kinds of things, they're going to, you know, put you in a mental institution. But on the other hand, just again, just look around. Why would that be that hard to believe? Now, I guess, you know, reason would tell you, all right, just keep a low profile you know, I time traveled here. I don't need to tell I'm just going to go about my business. But for whatever reason, it does appear as if he was institutionalized. Right. We haven't really seen anything that would indicate he should have been. And, yeah. you know, I guess we just leave it at that. Except for, you know, just showing up and saying you're chasing Jack the Ripper, you know. Like. Well, yeah, but but again, it's not like there aren't tens of thousands of time travelers all over Norway yeah, and and all over the world. How many of them so, claiming that they're well ordained I mean, by we God don't know to what find cla- Jack the Ripper? You know? Well, you got you got a guy claiming he's Norway's greatest king, right? And they think he's crazy too, right? Or, well, that's true, but he's not institutionalized. And that's again, I'd like to see them try. Yeah, well, um, maybe that's part of it, right? Uh, right, but you know, we get that letter that's sent to the reporter at the 19th Century newspaper that supposedly is a piece of womanly flesh. Yeah. Well, it turns out to be you know dolphin flesh, right? But, Which uh, Fred know, raises the point, point taken. Yeah, where where the hell did they get a dolphin's clitoris, man? Like, well, I guess that's true. Yeah, I mean, like, good, yeah, good point. Um, maybe uh, an aquarium somewhere. Yeah, I, but I don't still. Yeah, <laughs> to remove it, I yeah I don't know. It's just it, yeah, it, I, know. It, it's, I I I can't remember if that is a plot point later or not. But I mean, like yeah. Fred raised a great issue of like where the hell did they get that from? You know. Yeah, I mean, come on, why can't you just send a finger like any normal psychopath? Right. 
I mean, really. So uh, now the other thing is, you know, Lars returns home um, after Scotland Yard is not answering his calls, which I mean, Lars is the consummate detective in this episode and he tracks down you know the fact that uh, you know there's something suspicious about uh, precious clark is that her name yes precious clark right and, and rubenstein who's apparently not really a consultant at scotland yard and and you know so they come to i'm making air quotes the truth about who precious clark is and and you know we, we still don't even know what her deal is the the real precious clark now that we've Right, except that she's also uh, yeah. another you know time traveler from the past. From I can't remember what country it was, you know, an African country. Well, well, the first Precious Clark, the one that is with Rubenstein, but not the one that's the Scotland right, Yard. Right, right, right. There's an actual one, which is funny because you know Harold calls them and like, could there be another Precious Clark? And like, dude, how many people do you think are walking around with a name like that? You know. So. Right, exactly. But but that's all Lars. You know, he he's the one that gets to the truth of that situation. But then, of course, we don't know whether we trust the real Precious Clark or or, or not as well. Well, especially um, you're right because the guy, you know, what's his name, sends the those files to the other dude that is on that teleconference. Exactly. Him, so. Right. So. Uh, you know, we shall see, but uh, Odin reappears when, when Lars returns yep. home and, and demands he read the book, but it's not so much reading the book. It's where did the book come from? And that's, of course, what, what leads him to tracking down the information about Rubenstein or, or ben, Isaac Ben-Joseph being a, a mental patient. Now, why the name change? Yeah. I mean, you know, obviously a lot of the people that, um, time a great don't remember who they are and, and don't remember their past but but some do so you know he certainly seems to have all his faculties but uh you know you and i talked about whether or not odin is real or whether he's a, a hallucination and and you certainly contended that he's real because he tripped him uh last week and uh and this does week, he hit him in the nuts i, I think time? he grabbed his nuts yeah Oh, is that what it was? Yeah. I couldn't, wasn't sure if he used his walking stick or not. But, I mean, it's just a cool nod to the supernatural. And well, and with shows like Vikings and The Last Kingdom, while they are primarily historically sort of <laughs> whatever. Uh, like I said, they're, they're, that, we, we believe that they somewhat represent the historical time. That whether right. they actually do is very much in doubt, but it seems like it's kind of reflecting of what maybe it was like. Right. And there's always this hint of the supernatural hovering overhead. And, and occasionally we see something that we can't really explain, but for the most part, you know, it's straightforward. It's it's not sci-fi. It's not right. supernatural. It's not fantasy. Um, yeah, but, but, but like, there are th- just like with his seeing Odin is just like with the the guy from last season. You know, like Odin does like trips him or grabs his nuts and everything, and and so 
there are like physical things happening to him. But on the other hand, we can make a really strong case that Odin is just a representation of what Lars's mind is going through because he's thinking about this case and he's working this out. Does Odin come from the supernatural to help him out with the case? Or is this just a manifestation of his own brain working through the case? Right. And that's what I would contend. But in this scene, the first thing we see is the the bird. And we don't get a great look at it, but is it a, a raven? Is it a crow? Uh, uh, and then well, the, the raven right? turn uh, into... We learned that from Lost Girl. Right. So did the bird then turn into Odin? And in that case, again, did Lars... You know, was that you know his little scenario that that his mind conjured up? Okay, I mean that's the more likely explanation, right? Unless we want to go to a supernatural right element, which hey, we can do here so, on I Sci-Fi mean, TV rewatch. Yeah, exactly. Well, again, in a world where people are coming to the twenty first century from the Stone Age, from the Victorian era, from the Viking era. You know, Odin appearing among yeah. mortals seems like possible. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Yeah, sure. Y- you know, you had mentioned Rubenstein meeting with the rabbi back in the 19th century before he comes to the 20th, uh, 21st. And again, he must have the ability to go when he wants because he mentions a lighthouse. And the way it was mentioned in the, you know, the context, it, is it a time portal that some people, at least Rubenstein for one, knows where it is and knows how to use it? And at this point, I'm going to go with that explanation because all indication is he was in the 19th. He decides I'm going to the 21st because I think that's where Jack the Ripper went. Okay. I don't know how you know that, but right. that's what we seem uh, at this point. So. And then uh, let's see. Oh, oh, the you know we get that one scene out at the Luddite Ranch, and Ben Joseph is out there along with. Uh, now, have we seen this I guy think, before? Like I know we. Were- oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Because last time his bees were in full bloom, and we saw him okay. reach his hand into the thing and right. pull out this big hunk of honey. Okay. And now. His bees have abandoned him. I'm sure there's some sort of a symbolic meaning there. Well, there's the, the um, that's the 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 thing the uh, the was empty hive something like that syndrome yeah. that's happening. What's that? Like there's actual thing of bees like abandoning their their hives. Oh, okay. I mean, he doesn't seem that distressed by it outside of the fact that uh, you don't get to taste my world famous honey. Um, but I, I guess I felt like there was something, you know, that that we're we're supposed to read into that more than just the fact that, as you said, bees will typically do that, and then I don't know, do they return, you know, months later? And I don't know, you know, one of my nieces kept bees for a while. Oh yeah, <laughs> like okay, she had a lizard at one point, um, and then of course that scene that 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 we talked about earlier when Alex goes to the terminal learns that Joseph printed out those files. Uh, so obviously uh, Alex is working with Henry Black at Scotland Yard. We don't know under what pretense 
how long they've been working together, but uh, obviously they're on one side. Isaac Ben Joseph is on another. So Ben Joseph knows about the girls. Okay, knows what? That's kind of where we're left. But anyway, uh, what else? Well, I thought there was uh, that, that that great scene where um, Olaf and his buddies are like in the car. They're kind of watching Tora. And oh, I think he's eating something or something. And his buddy like asks him, "Can I have some of that?" And he goes, "Um, you know, does Satan's ass smell of ivory?" And the guy's like, "Yeah, um, like I, I don't know, does it?" <laughs> you know, like, what is that? He's like, to be? and then well, then the other guy. I think he wants a drink of his milk, and and that's right, the second right, time we've that's seen it, right. him drinking milk. Because when he goes to Maddie's apartment, he goes right for the refrigerator, and and that you know the one of her roommates like uh, that's my milk you're drinking, and he just throws the empty carton on the counter, and um, okay, so I'm not sure what it is about milk, but uh, yeah, that was a great scene for yeah. sure. Well, I, you know, we had seen kind of like Venke and Alfieder, uh, you know, kind of we saw previous episode that they are actually seeming to have a more professional yeah more professional a a a better working relationship um but here you know when first of all like she acts like she can get lars fired or something or she has the power to say you're not going to be the consultant anymore i don't think she's that high up but still um, she goes, Alphadir, come on. And Alphadir just stays to work with Lars. Um, so again, that's kind of a, a, a neat uh, scene there that we have. Well, and I think what's so important about it is that we, we said in the first episode when they're reunited and they're driving in the car and she's like, you know, where you been for three months? So now granted she could have tracked him down, but he apparently didn't make the effort either but here's you know th- that relationship that they developed is is back on track now, and we right. know you know these are the two partners. Yeah. When Ingrid reveals that she's pregnant to Marie and, and Gregor's, I, I mean Gregor's response is you know we predicted that last week. But Marie, when she right away she's like, well, you're not keeping this baby, right? You know, like so for someone who has yeah. adopted the this Victorian way of life. She still is clearly a very modern woman, you know, like a product of her time. Yeah, and you wonder whether that's going to bring her back to 21st century sensibilities. Maybe not all the way, but as you said, she's certainly a 21st century mom in this instance. Yeah, sure. Um, Yeah, I guess maybe that's uh, all I got. Oh, uh, the newspaper, right? Yeah. you know, they're going to break this story. Uh, they figured out that there's a Jack the Ripper element to this, right? Sure. So, yeah. you know, while the police are trying to bury this or ignore, you know, it seems like it's not, they're not going to be able to do that soon because, you know, this clearly, you know, they, the, the newspapers figured it out and they, I assume they're going to run the story. Well, right, but we still don't know what's up with that younger female reporter who wears the baseball-style cap when she's working in the newspaper, but then we see her walking towards the paper, and she seems to be in Luddite dress, and then she she changes, 
before she goes into the newspaper. And it, it does seem as if she's maybe responsible for these notes, but that's not clear. But regardless, as you said, they're going to break the story. Well, and, and it's all like kind of mixed up because like, you know, that girl is the one who took the fake Scotland Yard operatives out to the farm. And then, you know, what's their deal with, you know, Jack the Ripper? And we assume like Rubenstein slash Ben Joseph is, you know, chasing down uh, Jack the Ripper. But, you know, on the other hand, it's, we just don't know, right? It's just, it's, there's, there's a lot of, there's a lot of things at work here, basically, as, as Fred pointed out, we'll, we'll point out. All right. Well, let's hear what Fred's got for us this week, and we'll be right back. Hello, Dave and Wayne, and all listeners to Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. This is Fred from the Netherlands with some feedback for Foreigners Season 2, Episode 2. I found this episode a little confusing. Too many storylines, perhaps, of which I hope they get intertwined during the season. And that also worries me a little bit with only four episodes to go. So what do we have here? Well, I think Ingrid's pregnancy is a sideline, although there is a father, which perhaps has a connection. Because if I understood it well, he comes from Olaf's group. The reaction of her mother and her 19th century husband was, of course, very predictable. And you were right, Wayne, in your prediction that she would first go to Lars. Talking about this Olaf (laughs) was, of course, his driver's license uh, training was, of course, very funny. I don't know how his story is interconnected, although at the end he has a meeting with Volva, so there is a connection to that. Interesting about her is that she obviously comes from exactly the same time as Alf Hilder and even saw her arrive in the Viking times. That Alf Hilder went for a little bit of a lesbian sex didn't amaze me. On the other hand, I wonder if that is a thing in Viking times or that it's just Alf Hilder. Olaf's idea to get DNA from the skull of his son was good, but it went down the drain because they just put the skull in a locker and poor Torahunt gets accused for that. I'm still not clear what his role will be, or is he just a friend or a connection for Alf Hilder? Of course, in the previous season, he played quite an important role. Then there is the sleepwalking story of Alf Hilder. Is that something, just a sideline, or is that also connected to something? I have to say, I found the sleepwalking all the way to your work a little bit over the top, but okay, it was funny. Then there is this Odin dwarf that gives Lars ideas. Is this just his own mind playing or is there something supernatural going on there? And then of course we have the whole story of this Rubenstein and the precious Clark and the Scotland Yard. And where the hell do you get a dolphin clitoris? And what is the role of Alf Hilders and Lars's colleague? 
the guy that goes into the server room and deletes some files there. He doesn't look to me like a neo-Ludite. Okay, that will be all for this time. So, bit confusing, bit a lot of storylines. Interconnected, yes or no. Okay, that will be all. No church bells in the background because I'm recording early. My wife's sister is going to visit today with her husband and kids. I actually was amazed you could hear it, Wayne, because I don't hear it when I listen back to my recording. Actually, I'm in a room where there are some aquaria giving some sound, but I have a microphone that's really directed towards me. I wonder if you hear that in the background as well. So, some water sounds. Okay, great. All the best. Fred from the Netherlands. Well, I think we talked about most of what Fred uh, points out in his commentary, but but the one thing, and Fred mentions that this episode was a little confusing in places for him, and, and maybe I misheard you, Fred, but just to be clear, the Volva is originally from the Viking era, while Alfeder is not. Alfeder, to our knowledge, is originally from the 21st century, and that the two of them met in the Viking era. And then from the Viking era, they both you know, came to the 21st. So I may have misunderstood what you were saying, Fred, in that regard. But anyway, other than that, I, I think we've covered pretty much everything he he mentioned. So Yeah, I think, yeah, we've talked about pretty much, I think, everything that he uh, covered there. So, so. Uh, Yeah, I'm going to go A- minus again. I, you know, it's getting close to an A, but not quite. So, I mean, I'm not sure what happened in this episode that would take it from an a to an a minus and you know by the time i do the blog post maybe i'll change my mind but what are you thinking yeah i mean no no higher i was maybe thinking b plus before but i think i can i I can live with the a minus i mean there are so many reveals yeah that exactly and whereas before i thought i don't even know why i except for it just it wasn't necessarily didn't this particular episode didn't necessarily light my fire or whatever but okay. uh, but it was really good. And the more we talk about it, like I realize, especially as you're saying, there were so many reveals here. And maybe it's not fair because we know the importance of some of these reveals because, you know, we, we know where they're going to lead that I, I think maybe that leads me to give it a higher grade than maybe watching it for the first time. So, you know, regardless, well, sci-fi TV rewatch, we're rewatching it. So, yeah. We have yeah. the benefit of hindsight. So. We do. All right. All right. It's not well, let's necessarily leave it 2020, but yeah. 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 All right. Well, let's uh, leave it there. That will do it for this episode of Sci-Fi TV Rewatch. Thank you for joining us. Love to hear what you think about the foreigners. Uh, Fringe, if, if maybe you went down that road, I'm certainly going to continue my rewatch with Fringe. Uh, Check out the Facebook group if you haven't already. We'll be back next week to talk about episode three of season two of the HBO Max series, Be Foreigners. But until then. So, Dave, I think we should make a slight adjustment to the opening of the show when you introduce me every time. Okay, so when you introduce me from now on, I want you to say, greetings, great king.